It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. What could be more exciting for episode 67 than four men talking about technology? It's the UK Tech Weekly Podcast. I've got... Uh, oh, sorry, you're not acting editor, you're deputy editor, David Price of Macworld. You just demoted me. Sorry. <laughs> Hello. No, I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It's better. Deputy. Permanent. Um, Scott <laughs> Carey, online editor of Tech World. Hi. Or is it Computer World? Both. We're all just... We're all just everyone is... Uh, uh. <laughs> This proves why I should write my intros. And consumer tech editor of uh, Tech Advisor Chris Martin. Hello. I'm Henry Burrell. We're here, vintage pod, uh, because we're going to talk about three things this week. The topics are back. We're in a new room. There's aircon. We're not going to get sweaty. Let's first of all talk about Netflix. Scott Carey. Netflix has 100 million subscribers. That sounds like a lot. Is it a lot? It is a lot. Yeah, it is. Yes. <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> That's yeah, it for this week. Our new free-flowing podding technique is... Um, it's like the scats of pod podcasts. It's going out the window. Sorry. Um, so 100 million um, is a obviously a huge milestone for Netflix. Um, they got there a lot quicker than analysts expected them to get there. Um, they've had a really good quarter for subscriber growth. Um, and this is, tends to be um, historically their slowest period of the year. Right. Um, so everyone's a little bit um, shocked at um, how well they're doing. Uh, why they are having such a good time isn't particularly clear, um, as Netflix aren't particularly clear about many things going on in their operation. Um, they famously don't tell anyone what their popular, most popular content is including people that make the content. So the makers of Stranger Things don't actually know how many people watched Stranger Things. Because um, <laughs> they won't tell anyone. No. It's so weird, isn't it? Because like the BBC always puts out stats on how many uh, you know requests iPlayer gets yeah. every month and makes a big deal about how it's more popular than ever. But they do have to be transparent because they're publicly funded. Yeah, but you, I mean, you just think Netflix would want to advertise how popular it is. Well, their data is their most valuable resource. Isn't it? Yeah, and also because... Stranger Things is massively popular. They're probably going to be TV shows that aren't that popular, but Netflix can maintain the illusion that they are. Yeah, yeah, they can. Um, the, the the funny thing with Netflix is they've actually started cancelling shows for the first time in their history. Like Sense8. Yeah, Sense8. Um, but that was popular and everyone went mad about it. Well, you don't know that's that. That's what we think. Yeah, see, that's it. You in our little bubble. Okay. I know people that like it. I know yeah, lots exactly. of people that like it. I know lots and lots of people that like it um, and that were very upset that it got cancelled. Um, but... It shows that they're operating a little bit more like a traditional TV network now that they are 
um, cancelling shows. They are also um, producing their own content instead of just buying stuff. I mean, they always did TV, but now they're doing films as well from the ground up. So Okja, which caused all the um, drama at Cannes because it got booed. Uh, can they actually funded that that whole movie um, yeah. from start to finish um, rather than what Amazon do, which is maybe just sort of part fund or what they used to do, which is just buy um, the rights in sort of traditional distribution right. model. Why so did it get booed? Know... Uh, Sorry, to... Sorry. Sorry, it got booed. It got booed because <laughs> it got put up in the wrong aspect ratio at the press screening. Um, so. The, it's dorks, aren't they? Yeah, they are. <laughs> Wrong aspect dorks. ratio. Boom. And they're like, oh, Netflix know nothing about film. So this proves it. But isn't Okio like really good? Yes. <laughs> um, <There you> go. <laughs> so they, by the end of the screening, they're all actually wiping away tears yeah. and going, yeah. I preferred it in 4 3 anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so going back to my point, <laughs> um, Netflix obviously say that the reason that they are doing so well in terms of cyber growth is because of all the investments that they've made in content finally paying off. Right. I, on the other hand, am not sure that Okja, a very niche art housey movie, um, is sort of responsible for them um, growing their subscriber numbers at a rate uh, like this. They actually haven't had a big sort of viral success since Stranger Things. Um, they've added, you know, a fair amount of TV and a fair amount of movies and some, like, comedy specials. Uh, but I think, really, the growth is coming from overseas markets. So okay. um, they have seen um, most of their growth come uh, outside of the US. So they are their US subscriber numbers are actually flat, um, sort of quarter on quarter. But the international numbers are are absolutely massive, and they now have more international subscribers than they do US. Okay. Um, they're fifty two million um, international, forty eight million US, um, and they're in most countries now. They're in most countries that aren't China or North Korea. Um, so I, th- I think their international expansion is, is finally starting to pay off, and that's why you're seeing uh, these subscriber numbers go through the roof. Without putting you on the spot, do you have? how much they're estimated to be worth yeah they're worth um 60 billion um which so i read is, that's more than like warner it's it's i think it's double all of murdoch's media empire in worth and it's also something like 10 times the value of itv um <laughs> which is which ITV. is which is mental because itv has has love island so it must be worth loads <laughs> when they bought friends reunited <laughs> it's so sad surely um download having been able to download programs has helped Add new subscribers, right? Well, it adds value to the price subscribers pay by being able to watch offline, yeah. Because, I mean, normally there's a dip, like, in summer for, like, general tech stuff because mm-hmm. people are on holiday or whatever, but people being able to take their shows on holiday is a good reason to sign up. Yeah. Like, I maybe realised, oh, actually, oh, I can take Netflix with me now without needing some kind of decent internet connection. So, uh yeah, it just makes it more, a more integral part of your life, doesn't it? Yeah. I think, um, and I think that's what they're seeing. I think they're seeing a lot more sort of regular users. Um, so all of this means um, that the uh, share price at Netflix is the highest it's ever been. It's um, it's up ten percent off the back of this announcement. If there's one thing that um, Wall Street loves, it is subscriber numbers. So um, <laughs> Twitter, for example, isn't doing very well at the moment because it can't seem to get its subscriber numbers to stop flatlining. Yeah. Whereas someone like Instagram uh, or Snapchat having huge subscriber numbers means lots of value. Uh, the problem with that is that it actually doesn't mean value. Um, so Netflix is spending more money 
on content than it's ever spent. Um, it's spending more money on content than anyone else by quite a comfortable margin. Uh, they spent six billion this year on acquiring and producing content. Um, HBO spent about two billion, and they make Game of Thrones, <laughs> which costs a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so the in terms of profit margins, uh, those subscribers aren't quite converting um, at this point. That hasn't put off investors. That hasn't put off Wall Street. Um, their stock is up 64% for the year. And it is um, now sort of in that hallowed Facebook, Netflix, Amazon, Google, well, Alphabet. It's joining bracket. those three guys, yeah. yeah. Um, That's pretty nuts. How, how far does the tech industry think that it's gone towards um, combating piracy in the film industry? Because that was a big problem before Yeah, it's Netflix. definitely not talked about as much as it used to be talked about. And, and I feel the same about music, the way that Spotify is kind of cornered that market in mm. the fact that it's so reasonable and so um for the consumer not for the artist necessarily <laughs> yeah no yeah and I, and that's the same with netflix like i don't think um the guys that put stuff on streaming services make as much money as they would have if they did a theatrical release the thing is they um they famously don't seem to mind too much because netflix give them um money and then a huge amount of creative control um yeah. which which they love um so the guys that made stranger things um probably wouldn't have been able to make that anywhere else in the way that they did, um, which is quite nice. But yeah, it, in terms of sort of hard cash, both have sort of taken the bottom out. But you could also argue the, the flip side is that it's better than um, than piracy and the market's going to go that way anyway. So, you know, you've just got to kind of deal with it. Yeah, I remember going through the rigmarole of legally downloading films. Yes, yeah. Uh, it yeah, is horrible. torrents are horrible. Are you admitting yeah. committing a crime? Then? No. Of course not. No one listens to this podcast, it's fine. Um, do you uh, sign up to Netflix, all of you? Yes. yes. I'm, I'm on Netflix, yeah. yeah. I, I really like that Netflix, but I find it very annoying the way the interface changes seemingly on a daily basis. Mm, yeah, it's The position of the times. continue watching and the your list Does are it? just mixed is in it, amongst. It's, uh, all sometimes you have to scroll down sometimes really you do. far sometimes to get to, to up, the, the ones that you're... Watching, yeah, yeah. Like, I tend to just search for stuff now because they yeah. like it just disappears. I think that it might be like the same policy is in a supermarket that they want you to browse around before exactly. You find I was going to say, are they mm. aggressively just putting for at the forefront of your experience? Yeah, there's always a massive full screen advert for some new program that I don't yeah. want to watch. It's kind of annoying how quickly stuff auto plays as well. Oh god, I hate autoplay, but that is on everything, isn't it? Yeah, like iPlayer as well. My son watches um, Hey Dougie. And then it immediately starts playing another episode, and then you study it. Just started playing by itself, and then and then you're, <laughs> and then you're in. not even like on Netflix. Voice. You just have to be browsing around, and if you leave it on one it's thing, like, oh, yeah, it just yeah, starts no, playing. Yeah. In the, yeah, it's just like no, I'm still reading the blurb. Like, yeah. <laughs> on a side note, Facebook's starting to autoplay sound now, unless you turn yeah, it off. You can switch it off, but yeah. yeah. On, um, on video, it's annoying. On the Netflix thing, I just think it's. Um, it's just a really interesting time for them. They seem to be um, just absolutely nailing it, really. Um, they will at some point have to uh, try and balance the books a little bit in terms of how much they're spending on content and how much they're making from subs. Um, I'm not sure that means that subscription prices are going to shoot through the roof. They might have to cut back on the amount of concurrent devices that people can have yeah. accounts on because um, I, for one, do not pay for Netflix. I use my brother's account, so... Yeah. And I think a lot of people... As long as you're not doing it at the same time. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Well, I think like Netflix might use. have to limit the amount of devices yeah. that you can register Netflix on. But wasn't it fairly recently that they sort of 
informed all the subscribers that we're going to be putting the prices up by one pound a month mm -hmm. and if they already love that then they make a load of money and mm. the individual doesn't mind paying a pound more yeah are they going to do that again don't, don't think so no no I reckon it's going to stay at whatever it is at the moment yeah See, i don't even know how much it, it is and i gladly it's pay it six, six pounds a month i think i think the, the cheapest one yeah maybe 5.99 yeah that's um, for one device yeah I think yeah. I pay the second tier. I don't know why I don't pay one pound more and get the premium one. But <laughs> um, so I, and the other thing about Netflix um, that I enjoyed this month is um, Dan Jackson, who um, writes for um, a website called Thrillist. He wrote a really great piece this week about sort of the birth of modern Netflix. Because um, I didn't realise that Netflix went um, public in 2002, <laughs> which was five years after that it was founded. And that DVDs. was when they were still flinging yeah. DVDs around on the postal service. And what happened is that they famously, um, as Dan wrote in his piece, they um, did this thing called the Netflix Prize, which was a million dollar prize for um, any uh, group of data scientists that could basically improve their algorithm, matching algorithm by 10%. Right. And it was such a tricky, knotty problem that it didn't get solved for, I think, six years. Um, and that it became this sort of running battle between two groups of data scientists and it's yeah. this great sort of battle of the nerds sort of situation where they were on like forums like exchanging algorithms and stuff so when um, does the film come out for, for i'm up story? for it the I'm netflix story yeah. of, um, <laughs> of themselves but obviously they're you know moving from the um having all of the data on what people like and getting that algorithm right created what is the Netflix that we, we know today? And, and it was such a huge turning point in the way that business sort of developed into what is now, yeah, to be considered one of the top five, top six tech companies on the planet. It's an interesting dichotomy, if you like, that, they, that they're simultaneously so data-driven and still allowing people creative control. Mm -hmm. And it's surprising that they do both those things. And it I is. wonder how much longer they will carry on giving people creative control. Well, I think they tried to do sort of... Um, content creation by the numbers and it just didn't work. Well, how's the cards work? Well, some people might disagree with me, but... Well, I'm not sure that was by the numbers. It was giving... I mean, that was classic. People who like Kevin Spacey, like the British version of House of Cards, like this, like, like David Fincher as the director, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, it was also just giving someone like David Fincher money to go off and do something um, with it and they kind of gave him creative control. I guess the idea of the show was maybe a little bit data-driven and they probably still do that but they still gave someone with a lot of creativity just sort of free reign to go and make something so the next time they do that maybe you can imagine them saying to the director right this is specifically what people want you get really deep down into the data and say they want a car chase in the seventh episode yeah, they yeah. Want, you know, whatever <laughs> they're like a happy ending and we god how awful would that be if they had to deliver a specific kind of ending yeah well i think they probably realize that that just wouldn't work like audiences wouldn't like it and they need their their key metric is just keeping audiences engaged so I love that you were talking about creative control and you made it sound so utterly cool i love i love that yeah that's what i'm all about the key metric in making great films is engageability <laughs> <laughs> movies <Boo>. are dead. <laughs> yeah. what was the yeah. last great thing you watched on netflix before we move on to the next topic I like Dave Chappelle's comedy special. Oh, that was really that. funny. But that was classic Netflix, really wasn't it? It's like <laughs> taking something that's like old and then bringing it back. Yeah. Not, maybe not quite as good, but... Um, that's that's so cheap. It was better than I thought it would be, though, yeah. yeah. It's so cheap for them to make that. They might as well. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Chris? What do you want at the moment? Uh, I'm watching Bloodline, actually. Not watching Nearly that. at the end of the first season. Is it good? Pretty good, yeah. Scott? Uh, better Call Saul. 
Just nice. finished oh, it. So good. Yeah, I just finished it. Nice. Um, it's very good. Thanks. Right, Scott, stream or scream? Oh, stream. Which one? Stream. <laughs> you chose quite similar words. I know, I realise that now. You look good stream. written down. They're supposed to be similar, but these are very similar. You look good written down. Chris? Stream. And David? Stream. We're streaming all up in here. Uh, we'll be right back to talk about phones. So after that Netflix and chill... <laughs> It's now time to talk about phones. We love talking about phones on the pod. Uh, we haven't for some time, actually, so we're bringing it back with uh, the consumer tech editor of Tech Advisor, Mr. Chris Martin. Hello. How are you doing? Yep, good. Good. What phone do you use? Uh, two OnePluses at the moment. Wow, OnePlus One equals Dual wield. <laughs> yeah, I always have two phones. Represent. Yeah, I can't do that. I don't know why. It doesn't, oh, really do work, doesn't work with my brain. Apparently, it's a thing that loads of tech journalists do that I just didn't really realise. I can imagine if Dual one of them was wielding. Android and one of them was iOS, but... Two Android yeah. phones from the same manufacturer at the moment. Yeah, interesting. Um, there's anyway. lots of there's lots of things going on about phones. We'll, we'll come we'll come back yeah. to, to David and his and his iPhone eight rumors in a minute. But um, a few things have kind of flown by a little bit. Um, Windows Phone is well, it is it's been dead for a while. Yeah, but it's kind of officially nearly dead. Kind of officially nearly dead. Yeah. Um, so Windows ten is still around on phones. Um, but Microsoft... 0.1% of phones. (laughs) Yeah, Microsoft has um, stopped supporting Windows Phone 8.1, so nobody on that version of the OS is going to get any more updates or any more uh, support, so... Not getting updates on Windows is always a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, usually uh, renders your device unusable for hours. Normally ends in a new piece of ransomware. Yeah, so obviously lots of headlines have been flying around saying Windows Phone is dead, but obviously those phones aren't just going to stop working. They're just not supported anymore. Yeah. Um, it kind of makes them more vulnerable, um, but there's such a small user base that I don't think anybody uh, is <laughs> going to be targeting you. those anyway. So, yeah. It's just a massive shame. I think the Windows Phone OS was really well designed. And had some, it had the app support, yeah. if Microsoft had gone about it in the right way, it could have been a third pillar. Yeah. There was there were some really good things about there were some really good things about it, um, yeah, including the interface. It was different and it worked. Uh, the tiles, um, quite minimalist and attractive. Even the multitasking was pretty good before it was even good on other platforms. Yeah, um, but yeah, this just proves that it just kind of proves that it didn't didn't work out. Yeah, it's just years too late. And I, I really like the fact that um, Windows Ten works on mobile and it's technically the same sort of coding that yeah. you will find on a computer. And yeah. that idea, that ex- expansive idea, what do they call it, um, universal apps, if they had made that the norm for the industry early yeah. on, it could have been a thing, but it's not a thing. Yeah, I think it's just another example of Microsoft not particularly thinking things through before launching <laughs> something. Yeah. Like with Windows RT, it was like that made... On the original that, Surface. Yeah, so there was a, 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 a version of the Surface that had RT, but it like didn't do half the things you expect Windows to do. Mm. So it's just like you're just confusing consumers by this other version of Windows, and it just it never worked out. Yeah, they're getting a bit better now. What with um, the Surface laptop being pretty a bit decent. better, but the, again, that's got Windows 10s, so which is still again another cut down version of Windows 10, which doesn't do what you'd expect. Yeah. So I know we're talking about phones, but that's limited to you can only install apps from the store, yeah. so you can't just download Chrome and install it or Audacity or whatever programs you normally use on Windows can't install them unless Brilliant. they're on the store. 
In which case, they're the Windows 10 app version anyway. Yep. So and you've got to pay 50 quid to upgrade on a computer you've just spent 900 it's quid. It's free on. upgrade until the end of the year, okay. so it's not too bad. So anyway. Windows Phone is sort of dead, but British phone maker Virtu is actually dead. Virtu is definitely dead. Um, uh, David and Scott aware of Virtu. Do you remember those guys? Yeah, so I saw a great tweet the other day that was um, the only person uh, I've ever seen with a Virtu is Milo Yiannopoulos, and that tells you everything you need to know about the Virtu. <laughs> He's yeah. the worst. He's the worst. <laughs> This is the thing, I never really got it. I mean, we never had any of the info review or went to any of cool the enough. events or anything. Um, well, we just knew we would never recommend these phones that were costing thousands of pounds Jewel for a handset. And, and it was, they were trying yeah. to sell them on, yeah, they were very blingy and stuff, but they were also selling them on kind of concierge kind of style services where you could... You could ring them any time. You needed something, and it was all a bit <laughs> like bizarre. A Were they trying to? Did they ever try and claim that it was like extremely secure for like CEOs that were paranoid or something? There is a company that does that. I yeah, Black I Phone maybe something, yeah. something like that. Yeah, I went to one that was like um, uh, Leo DiCaprio had invested in it. Yeah, I think that's the one you're thinking of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Black Phone is the one that's like super secure. Okay, I don't know if Vertu are making any claims like that. Probably not anymore. Um, but yeah, like it just didn't make any sense. I mean, like Wimbledon's just finished, and if you watched any of the coverage, if you, you know, every time they go and look and see who's in the the. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along, and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Or a box, they're all just using iPhones. Like yeah. <laughs> celebrities and people that all these, uh, you know, the, the Verti phones were aimed at just have an iPhone. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it would necessarily always be that way. I mean, there was a time when everybody had Blackberries and people were going, who's going to use an iPhone? 
It's just yeah. an aesthetic thing. I'm just trying thing. to put myself It's in just it. an yeah, aesthetic yeah. thing, isn't it? Virtue was so blingy and hideous that it was like targeted. Well, it wasn't, I don't even know if it was targeted, but it only really appealed to people with that sort of, um, that sort of like, look yeah <laughs> um and that's quite a small demographic apparently whereas the iphone is like elegant and simple yeah that's just the thing about selling phones as well i mean the fact that everyone used to pack blackberries and be- have bbm and now sort of as you're sort of saying generalizing but a lot of rich people basically with disposable income will pick iphone yeah. because everyone's on it like phones it doesn't work if you're the only one with that phone you like to yeah. be part of a crowd with to be honest if you can't point. if you can't get the kardashians to use virtue then you can't do it <laughs> well, kim was still you're pack- done, aren't you? kim was still using a blackberry until last year really yeah <laughs> i sort of respect her for that yeah yeah, she kept, yeah I've, I've read about it i don't know why i find it obama <laughs> was a big blackberry guy wasn't he yeah but the uh, secret service took it off him mm. but trump apparently we talked about this before until recently he was tweeting from an unsecure galaxy s3 brilliant yeah Top lad. Um, speaking it's of good, life- good support of uh, American business as well. <laughs> yeah, from, from the protectionist president. It was uh, founded by Samuel Sung, right? So, um, David, iPhone eight. What's up with that? Uh, well, it's the ten year anniversary. Yeah. Well, it was last month, I suppose. Can and I get so- your juicy, juicy rumours? Because I'm due an upgrade, and I, I want in. Yeah, I want to see live. We're going to live uh, record Scott's reaction to these tweets. To these. Yeah. Uh, well, they got rid of power button, home button. Home button, cool. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I don't know this for sure, but they're probably going to get rid of the home button and then either have Touch ID built into the screen. Mm-hmm. So they have, they've got pay, uh, patent. Is it patents or patents? I don't know. I'd call they it got patent, some, yeah. yeah, they got some patents on um, Touch ID that can work through glass. Uh, I've seen a phone screen with one of those. Chris saw this uh, uh, MWC. MWC earlier this year. A company that makes that kind of technology showed oh, yeah. me a working prototype of one doing it through the screen. Nice. There you go. Either that or on the back, but I don't like I don't like rear facing. Because there's, lo- there's lots of um, leaks of casing of the phone with the the Touch ID, the, the fingerprint sensor just below the Apple logo on the back. Yeah. But a lot of these things often turn out just to be like with the OnePlus phone that came out recently. There are many prototypes these things go through, so they could be genuine leaks in the fact that it is an old mm. prototype mm. Um, that might not happen. Because yeah. um, that also it's pretty much nailed on that Samsung tried to do this for the S8. And that's why the fingerprint sensor is right next to the camera lens because they freaked out and couldn't do it and had to move it last minute. So well, they wanted to have it in the middle of the back. No, they wanted to have it under the screen. Yeah. So the screen has a pressure-sensitive home button, but not a fingerprint scanner on the oh, front. I see, I see what you're so that's why that's how they got the huge screen, which yeah. supposedly am I right in thinking the iPhone? Yeah. So will that's have... well, that's what all this derives from is that they want to have a larger screen on the iPhone eight, edge to edge, less bezel, maybe the same size as the. So you've got the iPhone 7, which is 4.7-inch screen. They're going to fit something approaching a 5.5-inch screen into the same body. Oh. And they have a, <laughs> I don't know, like a 6.3-inch screen into these. Into yeah, the, 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 S, the S8 Plus, the Samsung, be, is yeah. 6.2. Yeah, it would be similar. But they changed the aspect ratio on that and made it yeah. longer. Do we know if the iPhone's going to do that as well, or is it going to stay? We don't, we don't know for sure, but... Yeah. I can't I see it. Apple going with, like, a really long screen like They'll that. They'll have to change iOS. I can't see them doing yeah. it. Yeah. Well, they'd make. I think it's. I don't think it's that difficult to make it reactive. Okay. To. Yeah. Um, but do, do, do get, we do we think they're going to do? Sorry, go on. Well, no, and um, we also think there's going to be wireless charging because that's the yeah. sweet. That's probably the single biggest. It's hard to do through metal yeah, though. So, so is that an all glass well, iPhone? Yes, yeah, so they have all glass, to have a glass back or um, or ceramic. Okay, because yeah. that's what they do with the Apple Watch. Yeah, um, true. Oh, ceramic um, would be sweet. But, <laughs> but, but it could of, it could also be over a thousand pounds. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so there's, there's two rumours with, with the wireless charging. One is that it's just going to be really expensive, £1,000. The other one is that they will build wireless charging into all of the models that they release, but only the most expensive will come with the charger. So for the other rest of them, you're just there going, well, what am I supposed to charge it with? Oh, man. Um, but you can still, you know, use lightning. Okay, okay. third party ones out there. Yeah. Yes, that's so true. So are you suggesting, uh, rumours suggesting that there will be this sort of special Holy Grail iPhone, but then also yeah, maybe. for the punches, the 7S? Do you say punches? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. uh, the punches who or still have Or people who earn a normal, normal wage. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Are they going to position it like they did, if you might remember the Apple Watch edition it was called, which was a bit like Ver 2. You could actually get a concierge, like a service in shop. You had a shopping experience when you went in to buy, but it cost yeah. eight grand. Yeah. So is it going to be, is it going to be, is it going to, no, no one has one of those. Is it going to be like that? Um, or is it going to be no, more just it a... Because you saw that with the Apple Watch edition for the Apple Watch... Series one, no, not series one, first gen. Yeah. Um, is that that one didn't sell well? And <laughs> there <why>. is, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, but for the series two, there is an addition equivalent, which is the one which is made out of ceramic. But it's it's six hundred quid. Substanti- no, it's. I think it's. Or is it a thousand? Yeah. yeah I think it's still over a thousand, but it's it's a lot cheaper. Like the the gold ones and stuff, they were like thirteen thousand pounds. <laughs> they were like genuinely jewelry. They were, um, you know, crazy. That's so weird. So I, I think it's got its fingers burned when it tried to go into the absolute boutique top end stuff. Mm. But I think yes, yeah, I think it's still plausible that there will be like three versions of the iPhone that comes out. Um, and some people think they're going to call one of them seven S and one of them eight. But I, I think that's just such yeah, a huge the brand surely not. I don't think they would do that. It, it would be very confusing because no one's going to want to buy the seven S if there's an eight. If if there's like two that are more affordable. Yeah. I could see those being the seven yeah, and the, the seven. The 7S, 7S and the seven S plus. So yeah, that and an eight and then as like well. An anniversary edition, but it won't be yeah, called the eight. X. Surely it'll iPhone be like X is something people said. Surely it'll be like the way. iPhone edition. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Because there's, there's no way they're going to put out a new seven and then expect people to want that above an eight. Yeah, even if the price, because people are still going to want this. So are the seven S not going to have this nice screen tech? We don't know. We just don't know. We just him. don't know, do we? So, Zat, what are you? What do you reckon, Scott? Oh, I feel sad now <laughs> about all these things we don't know. It's going to be expensive and rubbish. <laughs> it's going to be expensive and amazing. Mm. And it's going to be. It's, gonna be it's not necessarily going to be expensive. expensive and too big for my small hands. <laughs> it won't be any bigger than the current one. That's what I was okay. saying. The screen will be bigger, but the actual. Because of all device. that immersive Netflix content, you can. Uh... And you'll be able to slot it into a hand into a headset because oh. it'll have the AR built into it. Oh. Yeah, VR, AR. Well, AR. But usable mm-hmm. as a VR, so you'll I use see. it to look at the world around you. You won't actually be viewing. Uh, so we could get people walking around proposed. with headsets on, but they can see where they're going. Yeah, maybe uh, this this might lead on to the next topic. This, this well could we can let it segue. Um, is there anything else phone wise? I mean, Nokia are bringing it back under a guise. Yeah, We've I got think, some high end Android phones coming yeah, out. Yeah, you know more about this than me, but there's lots of Nokia's coming back, although it's not the same Nokia that we all. Uh, used to know and love certain um, Microsoft ruined that for everyone, didn't they? <laughs> um, but yeah, they—I mean, I've seen a couple of them, uh, and they look pretty good. They're Android phones, um, nothing too special, but they look yeah. pretty good. Because the Nokia Nine was supposedly—we oh, see—I'm I'm confused now. Yeah. So, so they got three, five, six, eight, and nine, and a seven. I don't think so. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. All the They're numbers. Not- <laughs> Well, it's yet to be confirmed, but the Nokia 8 and 9, the 8 will probably be out shortly, and one of them is going to be a high-end Android phone, specs to compete with like everything with a Snapdragon 835 in it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know who's going to buy these phones. Not really sure. It's not really a trusted brand anymore. I wouldn't. I think it still is. You reckon? Well, because but... of the whole 3310 hype, I think they've 
How well did they, the 33 10 actually do? Other than, I've other never than seen a single In terms of what? It's rubbish. Like, no so one's like going to use it. Bought it, but it was <laughs> in really terms weird. of what sales? Yeah. yeah. And was it a success? I'm not even sure that they're bothered about the sales, to be honest. I think they used it as a ploy to get the Nokia brand back out there. Mm. They used it to cause loads of hype. It worked. So now people are more interested in these phones that are coming because they're ones that people will actually use every day. I still think it's a tough sell, though. With these, high, yeah. these high-end ones are going to be the same price as a Samsung Galaxy S8. I thought they were going to be a bit pick cheaper. One, but do you think? Oh, okay. I think they missed the trick if they don't just make them a bit cheaper mm. and use we- that as a selling point. Like, same specs, cheaper, trusted Nokia, you yeah. know. Although HMD, which is the company that licenses the Nokia name, uh, they just fired their CEO. Really? So it might not be good. Oh, is that how that works? Yeah, that's what, that's what BlackBerry are doing with a company uh, called TCL. So the new BlackBerry phone is not actually BlackBerry. No. They just pay to use the name. So does Nokia just sit in some dark corner of Microsoft now? Yeah, it doesn't have a handset division anymore. This is even more... Because with BlackBerry, BlackBerry still the actual BlackBerry Canadian company still provides the Android software. Mm. and the security but in this instance as far as I'm aware there's the actual Nokia company has nothing to do with these Nokia phones brilliant <laughs> so it's just a logo goodbye from Microsoft that yeah that was pretty bad mm. um, thanks Chris smartphone or fartphone well smartphone yeah it's kind of a dumb question isn't it we, we, like, <laughs> we like phones it's just this question thing that we can't get rid of on the phone <laughs> We don't need to tie to this format. Yeah, no, we are. We are tied to Smartphone. I can't believe you. What would you you have gone with? It's probably smartphone. But they're both good. Smartphone or smartphone? Smartphone. That's that's good or better. Please stop. Okay. Um, As we alluded to back in a minute to (laughs) try and talk about Google Glass. David, Google Glass, the invention nobody asked for, is back. How do you Why? know that nobody asked for it? Well, Google employees might have asked for it. But when it was a consumer product, am I right, it crossed £1,000 and yes. looked a bit stupid. Yeah. Um, why is it back and what is it for? Well, it's reinvented itself as a business product. It has uh, reinvented now, it. It's not that sentient, is it? Uh, well, no, no. It's Google Glass Enterprise Edition. Okay. So you, uh, so you, so you can't... Sorry, I'll, so you, I'll, I'll, I'll try and mask my cynicism. So you can't, you can't <laughs> buy don't. it. It's now into your hitting zone, of course, being enterprise. Yes. Uh, so you can't buy it anymore. You have to buy it. Well, a, you have to be a business, and B, you have to be buying it through one of their partners. So they don't really make it themselves. Um, they just sort of license out the concept and the like Nokia. And I think a little bit like that. I think they're a bit more hands-on. Um, so these various companies are making sort of bespoke um, versions of Google Glass for specific business uh, settings. So there's there are versions for like warehouse workers. So the sort of Amazon Depot type situation where you're rushing around. I think they probably already have wearables, don't they? Um, but it'll be like that. And you are rushing around. Where's your next box in the floor? And there'll be a little map in the corner of you. You know, and this is really depressing. I know what you mean. Thing, no, I know but, what you mean. Um, in warehouse, sat nav. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but more glamorously, uh, doctors can have these, right. these medical ones. So that yeah. they won't have to spend all their time doing admin and stuff. They'll just be speaking to patients and... The camera will be recording this stuff and beaming it back to some uh, low-paid peon who can do all the paperwork. Uh, and there are some for factory machine operators who are working on um, you know, building aeroplanes and stuff like that. So they won't have to keep checking their plans. Yeah, this makes more sense to me. And so they're packaging it up like by use case then? Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Because um, Epson do something similar. Well, no, I mean, 
they are they are going completely head to head with with Microsoft Hololens then because yeah, okay. this is exactly what Hololens does. It sells it as an enterprise package with a developer kit, so that it comes with some pre-programmed use cases like the uh, they do one around like medical training, so you can like look at a virtual cadaver and in a classroom environment you can do sort of training with it um and then yeah you get the developer kit so that your developers or any developer can like start coming up with their own use cases as well um alongside the ones that are pre-programmed by microsoft um which is that that working is that doing well i don't know i wrote a piece about my um hololens use cases ranked from the best to the most ridiculous and they kind of vary wildly but it is the best idea is to put it into the hands of users because in the enterprise the things that are most useful are things that are uh, customized and specific to your business so you have to in the way that like software and, and business apps now have to be customized um, it's if you're going to do anything like this for the enterprise it has to be customizable um, so I think that, that those like early use cases are just them trying to sort of get it out there and tr- prove the value of it but the real value will be in people doing what they want with it or doing something interesting themselves yeah it's, it's a step removed from what they were doing before because i mean before it was the whole thing that i suppose phone manufacturers are starting to try and do now with stuff like the uh, bixby vision on the bs8 how you meant to point your phone at something if you don't know what it is and it will tell you what it is or you can search for it or you can buy it from amazon or something and can it, you do that it, with dogs it, it doesn't work <laughs> with point, what? point a dog at something no but can you like because i'm always like what breed of dog breed is that dog? i don't know so this is the thing so That's i think that i want that at spiders <laughs> Identify spider, that's what I need. <laughs> There's a big thing a lot on Twitter. You search for spider identification, everybody's searching for it. And mm. nobody's providing that service. <laughs> David uh, killed a spider recently. Um, it was poisonous. Necessarily. Old, yeah, so. yeah. Necessarily. But yeah, no, but these things, so this, this are, is the thing, they don't work. You are a superhero. <laughs> because when a consumer, like Google Glass tried to do it before, and obviously, apart from the fact that it looks faintly ridiculous, the, the data wasn't good enough. And when you tried to please an entire population of people who are buying a phone and want to point it at, the thing that Samsung did it with was a bottle of wine because obviously that's what they tried really hard to do right. So if you pointed at a label, you can buy it. It will tell you where it's from and stuff. But I've pointed it at loads of things and it's rubbish. It doesn't work. Yeah, it's um, stupid, really. And and with the with the shopping thing, like the wine or like any barcodes, it's like but the things in your hand, like in the shop, <laughs> and it, all the things that these think these digital assistants, um, aside from voice assistants, are trying to do is it's just something you could do three times quicker by just typing it in. Yeah. Or just using your brain. Whereas with Google Glass for Enterprise, it sounds like giving, like you said, the developer options to companies mm. who have a specific thing they want to put towards this technology and the money to do it, it makes far more sense. Yeah, the there, same, there's no the same concept. Yeah, there's no yeah. such thing as a um, standardized sort of warehouse. They all have their own working no, practices. Exactly. But yeah. if you can try and optimize it by using a piece of technology like this, then people will be on board. Um, personally, I don't particularly see the relevance of it. And I also think that people will balk against um, looking ridiculous. But Well, that might be the key thing, is that the people that are going to be choosing to buy this and paying for it are not going to be the ones that wear it. No. So you can force people to wear it. You're saying, well, you, you can. You but... my awful factory. Yeah. You have to wear this embarrassing paraphernalia. It's not all bad, though. Surely it's got some upsides. Because I, mean, I remember the Epson one, um, which has always been an enterprise play, mm. and they were saying, you know, if you were um, onboarding people, again, obviously the old conversation about oh you're taking away jobs but like mechanics or whatever people working in factories it's more like it's teaching you how to do things and it can identify certain parts of machinery so you know how to do it and it can teach you i did this thing where you can it teaches you how to spray a car yeah um to the correct um what's it called 
so you don't over thickness. Paint a bit. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I genuinely <laughs> think the the training aspect of this product is the most interesting use case. Until the military get hold of it, and that's what I'm scared yeah. about. Yeah, um, they must already be using. Wearables. Oh, they'll be they'll be on wearables big time. Um, yeah, but they are saying that this could, if not save jobs from mechanization. Is it mechanization? Automation. Automation. It could at least delay that process because it makes humans more efficient. Yeah. But then and again, if it's, it's a classic Microsoft line of um, augmentation, not replacement. Um, so it's like making their jobs better rather than replacing them. Well, it might, unless it does it, the thinking for you. It depends. Like, so we're talking about the doctor thing. It does the busy work for you. Yeah. But if it's if it's telling you where to go and you just become a pair of hands picking up a box from a warehouse, then you've, it's taken the one part of sentience out of your job. It's mm. reduced you to a component. Yeah. Um, I think in a broader sense, this is an interesting move from Google because they are actually making a bigger play on enterprise, um, like G Suite and stuff. They're they're really keen on um, promoting them as enterprise products, and then they. Uh, came out with a HR, a piece of HR software um, this week as well called Google Hire, which is like a yep. recruiting tool where you can sort of put interview requests straight into Google Calendar. Yeah, they, they debuted like... that um, at Google I.O. Yeah. a few months ago. Yeah. And that's, is that live in the US now? Uh, live in the US now, yeah. yeah. Um, so they, they are definitely making a play on the enterprise market, which is interesting. Um, they should. I but, mean, yeah, Hire was very interesting. I mean, again, it's something that I was slightly sceptical about how it would work and actually work for yeah. everyone. But the fact you can just Google, they use an example like um, Starbucks jobs yeah. and it knows where you are because you're using a phone and you can, um, on the whole Google interface, upload your CV, apply to that certain job. Um, if it works, that's pretty mental. Yeah, I'm skeptical as well, but um, it, if it works, it'll, it'll do well. So yeah. Cool. Well, we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we're not all going to apply for a job anytime so soon. So to, to sum up, Google, <laughs> to start they, do, they do stuff good. <clears throat> they do do stuff pretty good, don't they? Um, they do have downsides, though. Like what yeah. you're comparing it to HoloLens. Yeah. I know which of those two companies I'd be happier to give potential access to my location data and what I'm looking but at. But is that because of the failure of Microsoft Phone, like Windows Phone? If, you had, if everyone had a Windows Phone, would we think the same about how we do about Google? Because Android basically destroyed Windows Phone. So if they were the monopoly on the phone and you had to give all your data to Microsoft already. I just I have more trouble seeing Microsoft as a as a sort of advertising based company. I mean their heritage is in enterprise, isn't it? Exactly. What I always used to think about was the idea of the eyeglasses or whatever they would be called if Apple did a wearable. Right. Is that of all the things that it would do, it would do wrong. Eyeglasses doesn't work, does it? It doesn't quite. Um, <laughs> but, but at least you cannot imagine a dystopian future in which they were allowing adverts to appear in your vision or selling the data of what you're looking at to advertisers yeah. because Apple doesn't do that. And you've got this sort of spectrum of companies of how much you would trust them with your data. And I think yeah. Google is, is fairly near the bottom, to be honest, probably along with Facebook. Mm-hmm. As um, you, that reminds me this week, um, HTC had a slight mare. They claim accidentally but in their stock keyboard on some of their high-end devices started displaying adverts <laughs> touch power the keyboard on the HTC I think 10 well they were clearly well it sounds to me like they were testing it in beta and then it went out and yeah they're like, like oh really it happened bad. by accident but it takes quite a few steps to yeah. Yeah. load into the, <laughs> the keyboard of your flagship device yeah that was pretty bad uh, but thanks uh, everyone and to David David uh, glass or arse um I don't know, actually. Yeah, probably arse. Yeah? Probably arse. I wouldn't wear them myself. Scott? Arse. Chris? Uh, glass for business. 
<laughs> better than ask for business, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Or Google Fast. Oh, that was that's better. That's better than mine. <laughs> All right, wind it back. <laughs> yeah. As long as no one ever listens. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to listening back to the intro. Of this no podcast. one's got to this point. No. <laughs> if you have, thanks for listening. Yeah, cheers, um, And we'll be back next week, episode 68. I might even practice my intro next time. But thanks, everyone. Uh, see you next week. Cheers. Bye. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.